Hello, welcome to Meet the Thriller Author, a podcast that features interviews with authors of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense novels. My name is Alan Peterson, and I am your host. I am also an author of thrillers, and that is why when I decided to start a podcast where I would be interviewing uh, fellow authors, I decided to focus on the genre that I write in and that I love, which is the uh, thriller genre. And for simplicity's sake, by thrillers here, I'm talking about uh, books that you would find in Amazon's mystery, thriller, and suspense uh, category, as well as its subcategories of crime fiction, uh, such as uh, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, espionage, uh, those type of novels. These are the authors that you'll be meeting during this podcast. Okay, so uh, with that out of the way, stay tuned for the latest episode of Meet the Thriller Author. Hey everybody, welcome to Meet the Thriller Author. I'm your host, Alan Peterson. And for uh, this uh, episode, I'm interviewing John uh, Hagenberger, who uh, writes the uh, Stan Wade and Elliot Cross thrillers and in other genres. But we're going to be talking today to, with him about his books. Uh, John, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for uh, coming on the uh, podcast. I appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Well, I'm an old fogey. I've been writing for a long time, but it's been on and off. Um, my first book was published back in 1988, but it was nonfiction. Uh, I raised a family and worked in corporate America, uh, and then finally retired about two years ago now, and got out that box and that opened up that drawer and dusted off his manuscripts and jumped back into full-time writing. Oh, wow, that's great. So that's like your second career, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's sort of like you have to reinvent yourself every year or two. For, for listeners who aren't familiar with your books, can you describe uh, about your novels? Like, can you just tell us a little bit about them? Well, like I said old fogey, but I don't want to really push that button too hard. I might uh, lose listeners rather than gain them. <laughs> anyway, uh, I started out writing a lot of private eye novels uh, from Hammett and Chandler references and influences. And uh, that's why I've got two private eye characters and two series running. But in today's world, uh, even though uh, the private eye I'm writing about might be uh, actually happening back as far back as 1959, there's this thriller aspect to the stories. These are these are really adventure stories, and uh, more importantly, uh, most of the private eyes in that genre at that period uh, usually just stuck in in their mean streets in their noir city and didn't uh, hardly ever cross anything other than the wrong side of the railroad tracks. But my guys, they get around. Uh, they get out to Europe and uh, down to the Caribbean, and uh, they they fight commies and they're dealing with. Uh, nuclear threats at times, so uh, they really are thrillers. They just start out as private eye fiction. And uh, uh, so the, uh, the Stan Wade uh, uh, books, they're all, they're all set in 1959? That's right. Oh, so that's cool. So like, I, I kind of like that because that's, um, it, it's been interesting. To, I've been reading some of the, some books uh, set during the Cold War and, you know, before spy phones and all that stuff. So it, it makes it a little more interesting um, how they used to how you used to do that. How, how, do you do a lot of research on that and how to get the, uh, the, the era right? Well, I was there at the time, uh, and I fondly remember it uh, from my childhood. So that's, that's the foundation. But then you're right. You have to do some research uh, because everything that you thought might have been the case or might have happened uh, is not necessarily the truth. And, 
and uh, you're remembering, you know, with like an 11-year-old brain. So, <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of digging around. And I started uh, going there because I was uh, happy to go there. Uh, it was fond memories from childhood. But then the deeper I got, and the, uh, the research started showing me all sorts of fascinating little factoids that uh, have sort of been forgotten and uh, things that we didn't know then but we know now. And if we had known them then, oh, my God, you know. So that got me really excited. So I get, get the time period to play around with, and then I get this, like, secret history uh, of things that really happened or maybe happened. We don't have the proof, but we've got enough time since then to piece the pieces together and come up with uh, fascinating ideas about what life was like back in 1959. Yeah, but some of the things that were talked about that could only happen in fiction in 50, 1959 and probably become reality nowadays <laughs> with the, when it comes to the spy world. Uh, is the Elliot Cross, are, are the, is that set in the in the 1950s as well? Uh, no, Elliot's uh, 1988. Oh, okay. And he's not in Los Angeles. Uh, he's in Columbus, Ohio, which is where I'm at. So this is a home-based story, again, sort of from uh, my own past. I took a two or three year sabbatical in 1988 between jobs and reinvented myself, right? And uh, that's when I started writing some of the concepts and plot lines for the Elliot Cross series. And uh, they just percolated back up into their own series. Oh, and so now, why, why do you write the uh, thrillers? Uh, is that the genre that you enjoyed to read before you started to write them? Yeah, I, uh, we call them thrillers, but honestly, I... Again, old fogey, I guess. Uh, I go back to Pulp Fiction, and to me, these are these are really adventure stories. And uh, I'm not going to say, you know, as far back as Jules Verne or something, but uh, usually you have a, one central character, possibly two, and they are going off on an adventure, and they're getting in way over their head, and that's that's the fun of the of the storyline. So we call them thrillers a lot today, and we classify them as. Uh, legal thrillers and medical thrillers and spy thrillers and things, but typically they're just about some ordinary guy like uh, Cary Grant in North by Northwest who falls into something and gets in over his head and has to scramble to get out, and that, that's thrilling, but it really it's just a big adventure. That's a great movie, too. <laughs> uh, who's like some of your favorite uh, thriller authors, and did they influence uh, your writing? Well, the standard thriller authors would be, you know, the Clive Custler stuff, crew and the Lee Child stuff, but the real influences really are back in the private eye fiction, uh, the murder mysteries, including the ones today, uh, Craig Johnson, for instance, with his uh, Longmire uh, books, and uh, three or four other first-person, I'd say, inheritors to the, to the uh, crown uh, or throne of uh, Dashiell Hammett or Raymond Chandler. The lyrical quality of their writing, the uh, light humor that's uh, maybe in the wisecracking narrative, and uh, the guy always getting cracked on the back of the head and knocked out five times. Uh, that's the, the uh, real strong influence for me. What inspired you to write your first book? Gosh, I don't know. I think just the, what I was saying before, the idea that I liked a lot of that 1959 private eye stuff in Hollywood. Uh, you could still catch old TV shows like 77 Sunset Strip, you know, mm -hmm. gun and stuff. Uh, and I'll, you can see that stuff, and it brought back my memories when I first saw it as a kid. 1959, you know, these were episodic. Uh, there was very little continuity with the characters. Um, 
it wasn't like a fully developed world. There wasn't this universe of private eyes or crime in, in Los Angeles. These were all individual discrete stories. And uh, I guess what I started thinking about was the idea of could we go back to that time period, but let's face it more realistically or more in terms of the way we would like to hear and see a story done today. So I started cobbling together ideas about, well, if I had been a private eye, let's say in 1959 Hollywood, this is the kind of way life would have been, uh, not according to the TV 30-minute episodes, but this is the way, you know, an individual character would live his life. He would be smoking all of the time because everybody did back then. And uh, he'd be, yeah, doing the hard drinking just like most of the private eyes do. But today's sensitivity uh, makes this character unsympathetic. So maybe to be a real character, he would be one of the earliest people to really say, you know, I probably ought to stop smoking off the nails, you know, and I had to uh, maybe wise up and take it easy on the bourbon bottle a little bit. Uh, makes him more real, and when the, once they're more real, then the adventure that he's on seems more real, and the whole book and the whole adventure uh, is exactly the kind of stuff that I wanted to create. So that's that's kind of how I got started. Oh, and do you uh, uh, do you find uh, pop culture references? Do they make it into your books? And are you using the pop culture references from that time period? Oh boy. <laughs> well, actually, Los Angeles is probably a character in the Stan Lee books just as much as Stan is, but because it's Los Angeles, I probably have, oh, I don't know, 15 to 20 walk-ons appearing somewhere in every one of the books. He runs into everybody that was around in, in L.A. in 1959. Jack Benny, John Wayne, uh, Kurt Douglas, uh, on and on and on, and um, the uh, same thing is true for the time period uh, as regards to the research. If, uh, if I set the story and it's July 10th uh, and he picks up the newspaper, uh, I go and research and find out what were the actual headlines of the L.A. newspapers on July 10th. And um, usually there's some international, fascinating international thing that was happening, like the Cuban Revolution headlines were involved. So we get historical references all over the place. We get uh, all kinds of walk-ons from television and, and film because we're in L.A., and even if he goes back and looks at the comic section, I research and try to figure out what was Dick Tracy doing on July 10th, you know, or, or what was on the, the radio that he might have caught, or what, what was the popular song of the day that he might hear while he's driving down uh, the freeway. And do you, are you able to do that research online, or do you have to go to the library to find the, old, the newspaper copies? Or? It's everything, really. I, I have a lot of the material already at hand, from my own collection. Um, online research is usually a double back to find out, make sure I, my memory didn't fade me. And uh, yeah, if I, uh, if I decide that I'm going to have Alfred Hitchcock in the novel, I'll go and get two or three books uh, and read biographies and, uh, of the, the main character, Hitchcock, just to make sure that I know exactly what was he doing then, what was he planning to do, what was his next film, what was his last film? Uh, was it a success or uh, was it a dog? Um, so that when he when the character walks on stage, uh, he's true to the time and place uh, that I put him in that particular novel. So how long does it take you from the time you start doing the research and you, and then you start writing to finishing your, the book? Like how long does it usually take you? Well, the research continues on and on and on. Uh, 
people ask me, uh, do you get writer's block? And my answer is I get writer's shock. <laughs> because I'll get halfway into the book or even further and suddenly discover a brand new factoid that uh, I wasn't aware of when I started out. And what shocks me is the fact that that particular factoid will drop right into place almost as if I had planned it all along, which is really kind of spooky. It's, uh, it's a plot twist that I had nothing in mind for at the, at the outset, and then suddenly, uh, by continuing on with the research, I find out uh, so-and-so actually happened to have been at this particular place one block away on that particular day. Oh, well, in that case, we have to make a slight adjustment so that they can, you know, have a, a, a bumper, uh, bumper somewhere on the, on the uh, highway or something and just spend a few minutes chatting. Oh, yeah, the... the, the, the Research creep, huh? <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people think that you ought to hide the research, and I, I dote on that. I think the readers like the verisimilitude of sitting down and uh, being in the place, you know. Uh, understanding as if, if I were there, what was what was the movie playing at the Fantasia's Theater there on uh, Hollywood Boulevard that he's just driving past? And not, not just say he drove past the theater, but... Uh, explain who, you know, who was uh, on the marquee, and uh, as if it was real. And you're right, people can go on the internet, and they can dig out photographs, and they can do enough research or remember from their own past, so that I'm hoping that they go like, wow, this is really cool. And for me, it is really cool creating it, so I, I hope that that's exactly how they feel when they read it. And uh, do you, uh, any similarities between you and your main characters? You put a little bit about your a, a little bit of yourself into your uh, characters. Um, well, I write like comedy, I guess, and I think there's some amount of that in myself. Uh, there's a little bit of performance art in being a writer, and I think there's a, a little bit of the narrative of both of those characters, both of those private eyes, um, where they are wisecracking or, or telling a joke or pulling somebody's leg or pulling the wool over somebody's eyes, if you will. So there is that similarity. Uh, but uh, they're all younger than me, of course, and uh, I'd like to think that uh, Elliot Cross is more like me. He's the one that's set here in town in Columbus, Ohio, where I am. Um, but honestly, if I wanted, if I had to pick, uh, yeah, I'd rather I'd rather be Stan Wade, because that's where all the, the real fun is, out in L.A. And do you find it, uh, is it easier or more challenging to write the... Uh the Stan Wade out in L.A. versus uh, Columbus, Ohio that you know so well because you live right there? Or, or is it different challenges? It's, uh, it's yeah, actually the other way around because I can fantasize and make stuff up and there's all sorts of fascinating things in Los Angeles. Here in Columbus, there's not a lot of wonderful theaters or a seashore uh, or Disneyland. Uh, all that stuff uh, that makes a great setting. Um, is This is just like the heart of the heartland. This is just home. So when those stories here in Columbus get told, they uh, they do make a lot of references to places and things that are here in Columbus. Um, but I'm sure that somebody who lives in another town, like I say Kansas City, they could care less what, what building he drove past, you know. But in L.A., no, there's always some fascinating thing about him going up to Griffith Park or up on Mount Baldy or Pacific Ocean Park or Marineland and on and on and on. So I have more, more fun out in L.A. Yes, yeah, so like yeah. So you mentioned before that like L.A. is uh, um, kind of a sec secondary character in itself to the right. to those novels. Yeah. Right. And so, what are some of the challenges when you're bringing these uh, stories to life? I 
had having time, I guess, to get them all out. And, yeah. <laughs> My worst problem, I think, is that I try to do too much, and uh, by that I mean I've got a lot, about three books going right now. Oh, wow. I probably, probably ought to do just one. Uh, but for various reasons, I just I just jump around. Maybe I get stalled out in one, or maybe uh, I get an opportunity um, that looks like I'm going to be able to, to uh, sell this particular one if I can hurry up and get it done, so I set another one aside. So that that's probably my biggest challenge, being able to balance all that out. So you ju- so you do you, you write both series at the same time, just kind of back and forth. Well, yeah, I, I write those and uh, I write science fiction. Oh, okay, wow. Yeah, I've got three science fiction books out too, um, and uh, I just uh, wrote my first western uh, about a month ago. That'll be out in July. Oh, cool. So, uh, what is that a western? Uh, where is that set at? Uh, that one's that one's set in Wyoming. Oh, okay. Um, Medicine Bow. And uh, I chose that, that place because I have a second one that I'm halfway through, and I wanted to do a sort of a crossover. So uh, in the book that comes out in July, it's a gunslinger kind of a, a, a main character, but somewhere in the story, he uh, stops um, in the dance hall, and he's broke, and he needs money. Uh, so he sits down at the card table and plays it with his gambler, and ends up basically just pointing the gun at the gambler and walking off with the money. But in the second book, the one that I'm working on right now, it's told from the gambler's point of view, and it's a totally different story, but it also takes place in Medicine Bow, Wyoming, and that same scene shows up again, only it's now from the gambler's point of view, where this gunslinger comes up uh, for a brief appearance and sticks him up for uh, the winnings on the table and then leaves. And I wanted to do something like that, so believe it or not, that little idea basically caused me to have to write two books. <laughs> wow. <That's laughs> well, I cool. plenty of other stuff I wanted to do, you know. Yeah. But it, was, it was the moment that I got the idea about reversing the scene that I said, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to do both these books now, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible how that works. So you get a little spark of an idea, and next thing you know, you're working on two books. <laughs> yeah, now you're in, you're in Japan or something. How so now, where do you usually write? Is you, obviously on the same area, or no? I uh, I'm either on the back porch in the summer, or up in my writing room during the winter if it's raining, um, or down here uh, in the family room next to the TV if there's a good tennis match on, or in the dining room where I've got stuff spread out all over the table where I do a lot of outlining. So I'm all over the house. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you also about your your writing process. So you said you're an, an outliner. So you, so you outline your novels uh, pretty thoroughly, or is it like a brief outline? Uh, well, it starts off, um, gee, the whole process starts off with just whacked out ideas of what I want to do. And they go into a folder. And then I sit down with them and spread them out, and I say, okay, I want to do this, I want to do this. It's like putting a, a movie together. I want this kind of a scene, I want that kind of a chase scene. Okay, fine. That's those are the the tent poles, if you will. Then I have to work up an outline. Well, what's the motivation that causes this to happen, and then that to happen, and are they related or are they separate? You know. So I have this maybe one page outline based on that. Then I have to develop the characters, and in the process of that, we end up with about a good five page outline. Then I take a stab at the first couple of chapters. 
just to see if this is all going to work and if the character comes alive. And usually they always do. And then I go back to the outline because in, in living with the character for those chapters, I've, in the back of my mind, dreamt up 17 other things I want to put into the story. So, bam, now the outline's twice as big as it was. And then I get serious about the outline. After about a week, I let it sit. But then I get serious and say, well, look, this is going to be a novel, so it's got to have an outline bigger than this. So what's really this story about? What's its essence or its theme? And that gives me the third outline. So I'm outlining all over the place, which is my advice to other writers is they say, you know, you should write and rewrite. I say you should outline and re-outline. Yep, that, that's, I just switched over from now studying to outline very thoroughly, and it's helped me, it's helped me a lot versus just, you know, trying to figure it out as you go along. <laughs> well, if you're jumping around like I am between books and oh, stuff, yeah. Gotta have a map, or else you're gonna definitely get lost. Yeah. And how do you outline? Do you use like uh, do you, do you use uh, pen and paper, or do you use a, on a computer program? Uh, I don't use a computer program. It's just I mean outside of Word. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I scribble up uh, most of the stuff first draft. It's uh, it's my speed writing draft, and uh, then I compose it into Word, which is a, a rewrite or an edit, if you will, and. Uh, a lot of times I know what the third act would be, or the third portion of the book, uh, but not in great detail. So uh, by the time I get about midway in the book, I decide I better start getting serious about the ending of this thing. Uh, what was it I wanted to do here? And uh, I'll use little post-it notes and stick them on a, uh, a page and start rearranging. Basically, it's a, a list of everything I want to make sure I don't forget to put in. And then they start finding their way uh, into a proper sequence that... Uh, lines up nicely with the rest of the novel, and um, somewhere along the line, it blossoms in my mind some major secret factoid that I had no idea I was writing about to begin with, and bam, it goes into the novel, which gives me my big climax, usually. And do you write every, every day? No, I write probably every other day, uh, but I'm... Well, yeah, I write every day and twice on Sunday. <laughs> I, I, I'm always writing. I mean, if I'm watching television, I will jump up and run in the other room and make a note about something and miss whatever happened in the television show I was watching. But um, it's always, it's constant writing. It just isn't uh, a word count every day kind of a, a approach. Mm -hmm. Oh, so yeah, so you don't have like, oh, I got to write X amount of words today. It's just sort of, you're just always writing. <laughs> well, I write. Like when I look back, it's it's about four pages a day, but I oh. don't force myself to meet that commitment. Mm -hmm. I can go a couple of days with nothing and then and sit down and do twenty pages sometimes, but it boils down to about four pages. Yeah. And so, what keeps you uh, writing? It's just just the, the joy of it, I guess, the, the pure joy. Uh, that remember that writer's uh, shock I mentioned? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. To uh, to start with a blank page and end up with something that you had no idea, uh, maybe you knew or um, you know you you kind of grow a little bit as a person too every time you write because you get a little introspective and you start realizing things that um, you believe or you think um, that you didn't really have on the top of the surface of your brain and in the process of writing uh, some of this stuff comes out so it's almost like keeping a journal once in a while too so it it makes you a better person I think. And do you still find uh, time to, to read? Not as much as I'd like. Uh, in fact, uh, reading is not a, as much of a joy as it used to be. Uh, now it's mostly a case of uh, analysis, and I'll get about 
one page in, and uh, something will spark uh, an idea, and I'll have to put the book down and go over and make a note or make an adjustment to somewhere in the manuscript that I'm working on, uh, and then come back to the book. So it's not the same kind of reading as it was, let's say, two or three years ago, where you could pick up a book and just devour it. Yeah, because now you start. Yeah, you're 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 reading it as a as a writer now, so you start start seeing things right <laughs> differently. <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't think it's it's possible for me to sit down and just simply enjoy a book uh, any longer. I I mean I, I enjoy it on a different level. I guess as the writer, you you're enjoying the craft where before you might have just been uh, uh, coasting right along with the, with the author's story and, and voice and. Now you're saying, well, that's an interesting voice, that's an uh, interesting twist, uh, that's an interesting character, uh, that's an interesting idea, and, you know, all those interests are really distractions from the, the fantasy world of, of the book itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's from the authors that I've interviewed, that uh, you have those who continue to read because it's kind of like a learning process, but then others don't want to read anymore because they don't want to be influenced either, so it's kind of, kind of an interesting uh, uh, approach for uh, for the different writers <laughs> um so uh, now how do you interact with your with your readers uh, do you have like a are you like on facebook and and all that good stuff sure uh, i've got a website um and it you know it's just my name.com mm-hmm. uh and uh i'm on facebook right and twitter uh i've done a few other things but they just haven't stuck with me tumblr and uh uh, printers, uh, because that, they seem more graphic, I guess, than uh, than the others. I'm more text-oriented than, than uh, image-oriented. Uh, so, yeah, they, they should be able to reach me easily just by typing in my name or Googling me, that kind of thing. Yeah, for the listeners, I'll have links to all that if, if they're on the website as well, too. Uh, but, yes, it's uh, johnhagenberger.com is the main is the main place to go to. Yeah. Um, so, oh, I so say you you got something you got on YouTube. Uh, you got some inf- stuff there on YouTube too. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I've got a couple of trailers for some of the books. Oh, cool! Did you enjoy making those, or did you did you have somebody else to make those? Actually, that's the other joy with all of this, uh, with electronic publishing and things. Mm-hmm. I'm coming up with uh, those trailers, for instance, and uh, I think I'm going to have audio uh, of one of my books, uh, perhaps in the next two weeks. And I'll probably start down that road for uh, my eight or nine books. Uh, and some of the personal appearances and signings uh, are pretty cool. I've got another one coming out in August. So I'll have a launch party at uh, Killer Nashville. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited about doing that public stuff mm-hmm. uh, as much as the private stuff of, of creating uh, the novels and short stories. Yeah, it must be fun to meet, uh, meet your readers in, uh, in, in the flesh. Yeah, in a way, I'm in the middle of a, a four-month five book tour because I had two or three books out earlier this year and I got a couple more coming out in, uh, this summer uh, so I've had about three or four signings here in the last month and a couple of uh, conventions I've been at and a couple more still to go until uh, August oh, it's a busy schedule with, with the writing and the, the book tours I think it'll calm down come the cold weather here in Columbus so you say you're working on uh, a couple uh, projects right now can you tell us a little bit about your current uh, work in progress Sure. Well, uh, the main item that's on the desk right now is uh, a true thriller. And uh, it's a multiple character, uh, contemporary, world-spanning adventure story. We've got a 
a deadly virus. Uh, we've got a team of characters chasing around for the answer. And uh, the title I've got on it right now is the Pandora Block because they have uh, an ancient uh, artifact that they have to decipher, decode to be able to find the cure for the virus that they're, they're dealing with worldwide. So that's the one that I'm most excited about now, and that's why I set aside the other Western that I mentioned to you. Mm -hmm. But there's uh, another Stan Wade all plotted out, ready to go as soon as I get a free minute. And uh, I just the other day started thinking about uh, a new Elliot Cross, even though I thought I was kind of done with him. But I think I figured out a way maybe that uh, Columbus, Ohio, Private Eye 1988 may get a telephone call from another Private Eye uh, in Los Angeles. So we may have a team up. Oh, okay. Like a little crossover a little bit, kind of. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's going to be a while before that one comes, comes out. Uh, there's a series of uh, science fiction novels that will be out in the next year about Triple I. That's the first private eye agency on Mars. Hell, nice. That'll be out. And uh, believe it or not, I have yet another Western, another SF novel. Uh, that I'm contracted for, that I've got to fit into the schedule somewhere along the line. How many books do you have out right now? Uh, a total of nine, not counting the nonfiction ones that I wrote years ago. Do you find it uh, writing fiction versus nonfiction? Is it uh, is, is it like two different beasts, or is it similar? I'm just kind of curious. Well, you know, fiction's got dialogue and yeah. act, you know, and, and nonfiction doesn't. But after that, we were talking before about research. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, when you're doing nonfiction, you're probably having to do some studying and analysis and research. And there's a lot of that in the Stan Wade books. So there is a kind of a connection between the fiction and the nonfiction due to this bridge about heavy-duty research. So do you, is there anything else you would like to uh, uh, let the listeners know before I let you go? Well, I'd like to thank them for listening. And uh, if they've uh, read any of my books... Uh, Please give me a buzz or send me a note. You can reach me at the website. I really appreciate any time and uh, effort they spent in sharing in all my wacky dreams. And I will promise to continue on with more of the same. Right, thank you. All right. Sounds like, a, sounds like a good deal. All right. Thank you very much uh, for uh, being on the show. I really enjoyed talking to you about your work. It was fun talking with you, too, as well. Bye. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Meet the Thriller Author. You can uh, learn more about the, this podcast and about future interviews over at the website at uh, www.thrillingreads.com forward slash podcast. And if you haven't done so yet, I'd like to invite you to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Uh, you can do it on Stitcher or you can do it uh, by email uh, over at the uh, website. I'd also like to invite you to uh, join the mailing lists so you never miss an episode. And I'd also like to invite you to visit my author page at uh, Facebook, uh, Alan Peterson Books, and also my website, alanpeterson.com. 